0: Well, good morning. As some of you know, I don't know any other book in the Bible other than Ecclesiastes right now. So take your sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and turn with me to the third chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. The most familiar section in the book of Ecclesiastes is for most people, I think I can accurately say, is this particular chapter. And it is time right now for me to talk about you and about God and about time, because if you glance at chapter 3, at the beginning of it, you'll see some 29 different times in this section, the word is mentioned to us. Uh, people who have probably never opened a book of the Bible are familiar with this particular section. They've heard it at some various occasion, oftentimes a funeral, but they're familiar with it. And this is the literally in the middle of our text. We're going to look at chapter 3 1 through 11 this morning. It is the world's most familiar poem on the subject of time. So I mentioned, 29 times in the context. And if I were to ask you uh, this morning just to stop and define for me what time is, how would you go about that? You'd say, well, time is a matter of time. Yeah, but what is it Really? How do, how do we understand it? And of course, for all of our answers in the world, next to the Bible, we go to the Internet. Amen. <laughs> and so Wikipedia says, time is the indefinite, continued progress of ex- existence and events in the past, present regard as a whole and future. And then it came up and it said, "It's 9:27 a.m." It told me the time. <laughs> Somebody else said, "I think it's helpful. It's a measurement or duration." something, a duration of something that has happened, times we think about seasons, years, months, days, hours, seconds. It's been well mentioned it's one of the few things that we regard as regular and unchangeable every single day. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you and I are creatures of time, and we live our lives in the context of of time, time itself. And we may not think about it all the time, but we talk about it all the time. What time did you go to bed last night? What time did you get up? Were you here on time? What time is lunch? What time will he finish this sermon? Right? We're talking about it all the time. Time's the meeting tomorrow. Time is that class. Do I have time for that? Don't waste my time. How much time will this take? Time to go. Time out. What time tomorrow, the next day? We even say it called worry as borrowed time. You ever heard that? It's borrowed time. Nothing's more valuable than time itself. Because you only have so much of it. And you don't own the time that you are given by the God of heaven. You can't retrieve it. You can't relive it. You can't repeat it. And I know if you're real young this morning, you go to school tomorrow, Monday, and it seems like time goes so slow until Friday. But if you're a little older... Friday comes and you say, Is it Friday already? Because the older we get, the faster it seems to fly, does it not? But I'm here this morning to tell you, based upon God's eternal word, that He wants us to think about this topic. And so, in these verses 1 through 11, and I think I will read them first and then I'll come back to them as to the biblical facts that we are given within this context. God wants you to think about him, about you, and about the reality of time. Well, here it is, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 through 11. Here as we read the, listen to the eternal word of God. There's an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven. There's a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant a time to uproot what is planted, time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, time to search and a time to give up as lost, time to keep and a time to throw away, time to tear apart and a time to sew together time to be silent and time to speak a time to love a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace what profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils i have seen the task which god has given the sons of men which with which to occupy to busy themselves he has made everything appropriate in its time He's also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. Hmm. Well, here's some biblical facts about time that God wants us to get from his word. And the first one is given to us in verse 1, and here it is this morning, and that is, that whatever we understand about time, God ordained it. That's number one. Biblical basic facts about time is that God has designed it. A time pointed for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. Now, that verse is not saying God ordained or designed time because it's already known and assumed. It's already assumed by Solomon, and it's already known by you and I. Ryrie has a little footnote concerning verse 1. I think he says it best, that Solomon is pondering the sovereign design of God in all of life's activities. He realizes that God has ordained, he has determined a timetable for everything, and he's contemplating it. And he's mentioning various examples of it in verses 2 through 8, and then on from there. John Phillips well says in his commentary, God and his ways reach beyond the beginning of time and forward when time will be no more. And we read Psalm 90 a week or two ago, and we read how the Word of God says, from everlasting to everlasting Thou art God. And so we stop and we consider it for a moment in eternity past. This way, God, no beginning. No beginning. From everlasting to everlasting in eternity future, God. No beginning and no end. But in the context of that, there was a beginning ordained by God of what we know as time, and there will be an end as we know of it in our life concerning time. And you're living within that context, are we not? So the everlasting God transcends time, but he ordained it, and he didn't make anything that he's made by accident and without purpose. And so time is part of his plan, just as mentioned in verse 1, for everything. And today, right now today, you have been given by God the gift of 1,440 minutes and 86,400 seconds. And the better part of that today is already gone. That's what you have. John Phillips has a way of putting this in perspective concerning God as the creator of all. But before we go there, let's go to Jeff Blackburn's favorite chapter in the Bible Genesis chapter 1. Turn there with me, would you please? Genesis chapter 1. I don't even see Jeff. Oh, let's spend a little bit of time talking about him, shall we? Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Turn there, please. He's probably a bedside Baptist today. <laughs> Worshipping at the church of the inner spring. Takes a little time on that one, okay? Genesis chapter 1. You tell them I said that. Well, let's let's see the beginning. The beginning of everything, right? Look with me. Genesis chapter 1. Say amen if you're there. In the beginning, God created heavens, the heavens, and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said... Let there be light, and there was light. God said that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. And from that verse on throughout the Bible, when you see a numerical adjective in front of the word yom, or day, as in the text right there, it is referring to a 24-hour, one-day period. And so then you've got next, verse 8, God called the expanse heaven. There was evening and there was morning. What? Verse 8, a second 24-hour period. And then we see even a pattern that has been set for us in seven particular days. And that takes me to that quote that i wanted to mention to you from john phillips we just stop and think about the beginning of time being ordained and our living in the context of it when god created the sun and the moon he established units of measure for us so that we can regulate our lives in meaningful units of time the sun enables us to divide time into days seasons and solar years the moon gives us our months and lunar years, biblical years. The concept of a week, likewise, comes from God and, in, and is related both to God's days, as we just read, of creative activity and to his Sabbath rest. And everything has its appointed hour. That's what he's saying in verse 1. There is a time for all things under heaven. Throughout Scripture, we find God working to a timetable, one infinitely greater than ours, but one which touches human life at every twist and at every turn. So God has designed it, he rules over it, and everything within time serves his infinite wise purpose, including you. Psalm thirty-three, eleven says, And the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of a man's heart from generation to generation. And then if you would, I'd like you to turn to the right in your Bible and go over to the book of Isaiah, just another book or two to Isaiah chapter 45, and another statement from the Word of God that just reminds us that we live in the context of God ordaining time for us. Isaiah chapter 45. And let's read 5 through 7. Isaiah Isaiah chapter 40 through 45 and 46 is such a great, great section on our great God. Isaiah 45, 5. I am the Lord. There is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Notice verse 7. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these over everything within the context of what we call time in this world in which we we live. Verse 1 states in the NIV, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. The ESV, some of you have that. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And verse 1 reminds us that God has ordained this matter of appointed time and he's placed you at this time within it. Well, there's a second truth concerning biblical facts about God and about you and about time. And that is set forth in verses 2 through 8. And that is that you're involved in everything about his ordained time. You're involved in it. And in those verses that we read, particularly in verses 2 through 8, and perhaps you have a Bible like mine that shows us this is in poetic form, and he just gives us a cross-section of human life and human activity, examples of all kinds of things that go on and that we participate in 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 poetic form, a world, a season, a day, a moment, for every matter under heaven. And so it's in contrast form. You caught that, didn't you? We have 14 different contrasts that serve as example of human events and human occasions. And, and, and we look at this and we read this. So yeah, I, I see these particular things. And you, you go about your time. You're about your life this afternoon and later on tonight and perhaps tomorrow. And, and you plan and you choose events, and you choose activities, but I'm here to tell you this morning that from time to time, in the midst of you planning your life and activity, God reminds you that you're not in control. That he's ordained, and he's overseeing what's going on in your life. And you've had him change your plans, haven't you? You've experienced that. And he reminds us, sometimes in very vivid days, vivid ways, that we're not sovereign, but that he is. That he is. Proverbs 16 9 says, The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. 1921 says, Many plans are in the a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. says the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations, nullifies them, and he frustrates the plan of the peoples. Yeah. So, what I'm telling you this morning, listen carefully, what we have in verses 2 through verse 8 in these examples of various events and occasions that we live in within the context of created time is that they are all divine, decreed actions before they're ever human activities. And nothing confirms that more than look at verse 10. There's a time to give birth, and everybody finish with me, and a time to... Very good. One person read that for me. Thank you. There's a time to give birth, Everybody read, and there's a time to... We don't even like that word, do we? <laughs> Nothing nothing illustrates the sovereignty of God in the activities of our lives. More than that right here. You didn't get yourself born, right? Sometimes you didn't do that, but you read Psalm 139 and you discover you were fearfully and wonderfully made and God, even in eternity past, planned where you were going to fit into this period of life. So there's, yep, beginning, birth and a time that God says, ends you didn't have anything to do with your coming into this world and god has ordained the last second of your final heartbeat of life he's the giver of life and he's the he's the taker of life is he not ah, and then there's others examples that he gives that are true to our lives And I'm not going to spend much focus on all of them because I don't have enough time to do so. But here's life. Here's life. Time to plant and time to uproot. What is planted? If you have a garden or you're a farmer, you get that one, right? Time to kill and time to heal. Murder's obviously wrong, but there may be a time to put an animal down. I don't know everything that Solomon is thinking here of his examples, but I know this is Scripture. Time to heal. Time to tear down and a time to build up. Maybe he's thinking about structures there that are ready to be torn down and something new to be built. We get the next one, don't we, verse 4? A time to weep and a time to, everybody say it, a time to time to laugh. We'd rather laugh than weep. Time to mourn. Time to dance. Bible says God will turn our mourning, M-O-U-R, and our mourning into dancing when our focus is upon him and all of his goodness in our lives. Time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. Yeah. Someone has written, if you you hear from a tour guide, if you ever go to Israel, they'll tell you that God gave stones to an angel to distribute over the world, but he tripped over Palestine and dumped them all there. And if you ever go to Israel, you'll get the point of that. I was on a, on a path, on a path recently, we were in Colorado for a few days and on that path boy there was a lot of stones uh, that needed to be removed and other ones that were stacked in certain places to deal with the erosion problem that can come up from snow coming off the mountain for you who've grown up in Indiana a mountain is a big thing in other parts of our country notice a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing we says a time to say hello and a time to say goodbye time to search and a time to give up is lost. Time to keep and a time to throw away. Somebody else says here is your biblical authority for a garage sale. (laughs) Time to tear apart and a time to sew together. Perhaps you're like me and you took a shirt to your mom at some time or another and say, can you sew that? And she said, no way, that's going into the rag bag. Time to be silent, wow. And time to time to speak. Time to love. We could say love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And a time to hate. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. A time for war and a time for peace. If anything was relative to a king, Solomon was a king. It sure would have been that. Correct? Now Solomon's point is, you are a creature of time, and you can plan your time, but you do not own it. Do you know what time you own? Right now. Right now. And today. And if you plan for the future, that's okay, because planning is fine. But you remember the Bible clearly tells us when we plan with no thought, For God, being in control control of our time, it's presumption with God. So we take our Bibles and we move over into the New Testament and we're reminded of that from the book of James. Hebrews, James. Turn to that familiar passage. James chapter 4. So what we have today and what you own today is right now and what are you going to do with today? And if you've never trusted Christ, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Does it not? You know why? Because you don't own tomorrow. You don't own tomorrow. And if you say, well, I'm a believer, but, uh, you know, I got things that I need to deal with. Well, we come to the Lord's Supper today. You better deal with them today. But today is the day. Today is the day to do business with God, if I can say it that way, because you don't know. James chapter 4, verse 13. It's familiar, isn't it? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city and we'll spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Oh, okay, good plans. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Tomorrow. You're just like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanished away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, then we'll live and also do this or do that. Planning without God in mind can be presumption because you don't own tomorrow. I love that passage in the book of Joshua. You don't need to turn there. You can just come back to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. But I love that passage, and you know it at the end of the book of Joshua, where Joshua says to the people, you know, he's asking them, whom are you going to serve? Are you going to serve those other gods? Or are you going to serve the Lord God? And what does he say to them? He says, you need to choose what today? Who you're going to serve he didn't say to the people, now go away for a little while and think about it. No, he said choose right now. Choose today. Choose today. Today is always the time to do business with God in terms of however he's working in your life and following him and serving him and entrusting him and following him in terms of his word as revealed for us. So God has ordained this time, and we live in with the context of it. He reminds us he's reflecting upon that in verses 2 through verse 8. And then he gives us the third biblical fact concerning the Word and you, God and time. And it's this, that time really has no significance if this life is all there is. It doesn't really matter. And that's what's going on with verses 9 and verses 10 with Solomon. He's saying it's really irrelevant, meaningless. There's no profit of it if this is all there is. And so he, he's asking the sixty-four thousand dollar question. Look at verse nine. What profit is there to the work from that which he is you toil? I've seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. I see all of that, but what's the benefit? What's the profit? And if you've been with us in the first hour in the book of Ecclesiastes, you know what Solomon is doing. Oftentimes, he bounces. He's like a philosopher. He goes under the sun, and he just looks at life on this level and, and, and forgets the reality of how, from a divine perspective, and he just says, okay, from a human perspective, you start at zero, you got all this activity, but it seems you end up at zero again, so what's the point? What's the point of it all? And there really seems to be none, unless you get above the sun. Two main problems right here that we could just talk about for a moment. One one is that the the earthly activities and pursuits are good. He's told us at the end of chapter 2, life is a gift to be enjoyed. So the activities of life and the gifts of life and the blessings of life are yours from the hand of God. Remember verse 24, 224. They're from the hand of God, so enjoy them. But if they are the focus of your life, you'll never find significance, purpose, and meaning. Because God never intended for you to find meaning in things. They're all temporal, are they not? Gifts? Oh, yes. But ultimately, meaning and purpose, it just doesn't get it. It doesn't get it. So to try to figure out your meaning and significance in life apart from the one who created all things is futile. It's futile. And that's what he's asking. That's where he's at. He's saying, you know, if it's just... If it's just you're born, verse 2, and you die, and you got all this stuff going on in the middle, what about beyond there? And as we all know, whatever you accumulate, whatever you have, well, enjoy it as a gift from God, but you can't take it with you. And it doesn't necessarily gain you anything for eternity. In fact, he's saying, well, what about... We're not even getting to eternity. And so that takes us to the, the fourth thing in verses, verse 11. Not only God ordained it, we live in the context of it. Time has no significance in life if, if that's all there is. But then in verses uh, 11, he gets his head on straight again. And he reminds us that time is about the fact that God made you for eternal purposes. he made you for eternal purposes. He has made everything appropriate for its time. That would include you, right? If everything, that would include you. In fact, you probably remember some of our translations is, he has made everything beautiful in its time. God's God has a fixed, perfect, good, purposeful plan for everything. By the way, even as we read in Isaiah 45, that includes the fall and all the consequences of it in this world. He is not making a mistake in anything. All good. In fact, if you have a study Bible and it has cross-references, if you do, you don't that's okay i'll just point it out to you but if you have a study bible and has cross references you'll see that one of the references that it has you turn to to compare to verse 11 at the first part of it is genesis 131 and genesis 131 says and god saw all that he had created and it was everybody finish it with it was good so what does he say here in verse 11 ah He has made everything appropriate, everything good within His perfect plan for all things. And much of that plan about you, you understand because He's revealed it. But there's much about that plan that you don't know. He hasn't revealed, but you have everything you need to know to trust Him and to live the life he's called you to live. And notice the second part of that, verse 11. He's made everything appropriate in his time, and he's also set eternity. Whoa, this is good. He's set eternity in there that is man's heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from beginning even to the end. You may not know everything that he's doing, this great statement from Wiersbe on this. He says, this side of heaven, there are no explanations for some things that happen. And God is not obligated to explain them anyway. Remember the statement? Isn't that good? One person say, yes, that's good. That's good. In fact, if he did, we might not understand him anyhow. God has ordained that his people live by promise and not by explanations, by faith and not by sight. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now, he's revealed everything that we need to know. But there's some things we got to get to the other side to figure out. And that plan involves eternity. He said, eternity in your heart. Uh, this is so good. Here's the wonder of you. Genesis 1, What did God say? Let us make man in our image our likeness. Man, humanity, that's you, distinct from everything else. You were made and you were created by God, distinct. How is that? Likeness as him. When you see me and I see you, I don't see the real you, you don't see the real me. You just see a shell, a tent, the real you is your soul, the inner person, that which is eternal. In the likeness of God, you're created as an eternal being. That's what is distinct about all of humanity. And distinct about humanity is he can reason and he can think beyond right now and ask the question well, what's over there? What's beyond? What's beyond? Now, I'm sure there are a whole lot of people that have been with people in their last hours than I have, but I've been with enough people in their last hours to know and to watch and to hear that they're really not at that point wondering about the stock market. They're wondering, or they want to think about or they want to hear about, The hope of what's next. Eternal. That's about us. God set that in our hearts. We have that because we're made in his likeness and image. Such is the value of humanity, not in you, but being made in his likeness. Mm. So, uh, let me go ahead and get it off my chest. You are not a pet parent, okay? Parenting is about people. Can somebody say amen? All the rest of that, dog, cat, uh, I'm not a pet parent to my horse. He's just a dumb horse. And he's going to die, and your dog's going to die, and you're going to get another one. And you can go ahead and call him part of the family, but he is not eternal, but you are. And what matters then is souls. That's what matters. And that's what He's asking us to consider here. All right. God has made everything, everything that He's done, timing in your life, all that's going on in your life, with a perfect divine timing and purpose. Hmm. This life is a gift, and there's much more to be enjoyed. In the time that you've been given, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is, where will you spend forever? And he set that reality within your heart, having been created in his image and his likeness. He's made everything appropriate, everything beautiful in his time. He said eternity in the hearts, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end, but you have enough to know that he's created you for himself, that he's called you to know his son. He's he's called you to live your life, do all that you do to the glory of God. He's told you how to gain eternal life through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. So time. So how much do you have? You don't know, but you've got today. You've got today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to choose to follow the Lord. Today is the day to be right with Him right now. Anything else is presumption. Go ahead and plan, but don't plan without Him. But let me say that one more thing just to get us to the point of that which we could say matters even most of all about time is take your Bible now one last time moment and turn over to Galatians chapter 4 and this is going to take us to our Lord's Supper but let me tell you about the absolute best thing about God's timetable and all things Galatians chapter 4 here's the best thing about it that which we could rejoice most of all And I hope you know it in a very personal way because Jesus Christ is significant to you as a Savior. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, verse 4 reads, But when the fullness of time, the time, came, what did God do? He sent his Son, sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law so that he might redeem those who were under the law that's us that we might receive the adoption as sons the best thing that we can know about time is the reality then the perfect providential time of the god of heaven he sent his son the lord jesus christ remember how jesus said it's not my time but there was a time time for him to come At just the right time, when Gentiles were tired of serving old pagan gods, when Jews were weary of trying to and and just frustrated with failing to keep God's law, when Greeks were given a world of a, a common language, which we call Koine or common Greek, and when Romans had established relatively safe and easy travel across the Mediterranean, Jesus came into this world with a message of life. To people who need life, sinners who need forgiveness. People who need Jesus Christ. So that's the best thing about it his coming. Perfect time in coming, perfect time on cross, perfect time in raising again. And there's going to be a perfect time and when he comes again. And in the meantime, you're here. And he said, Eternity in your heart. Do you know him? Do you know him? Are you living for Him? Use the time that He has given to us. Boy, does it go fast. Amen to that? Amen? So we come to the Lord's Supper right now. If we can. If you can take the elements representing the Lord's Supper, and if you're not prepared for that, you can go back.